Hello and welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. I'm Mark Koskela, Head of Marketing at EMG Health, and I'm pleased to be bringing a very exciting episode to you today with Julie Ross, President of Advanced Clinical. Our journal's editor, Evgenia Katsuki, interviewed Julie in honour of International Equal Pay Day, which took place just a few days ago on the 18th of September. Julie is a perfect spokesperson for this cause as she is an active member of the Healthcare Business Women's Association's Gender Parity Collective, as well as a staunch advocate for workplace equality within her organisation. It's a revealing and important conversation. So over to you, Evgenia. Hello and welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. My name is Evgenia Kutsuki and I'm the editor of EMJ here at EMG Health. Today, I'm pleased to be speaking with Julie Ross, president of Advanced Clinical. How are you today, Julie? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. So Julie is president of Advanced Clinical, a full service global outsourcing solutions provider to the clinical research industry. She has over 25 years of clinical research experience, has participated in fundraising, mergers and acquisitions, authored many clinical research articles, and is a well-known industry speaker. On a personal level, Julie is also a wife and a mum to four grown children. She's also a 2014 and 2016 recipient of Farmer Voices' Top 100 Most Inspiring People and a Red Jacket Award winner. So, Julie, I wanted to start by asking a bit about your background. Uh, you studied nuclear medicine technology at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Was there a particular person or event that inspired you to take this pathway? Well, I, I don't know that there was a particular person, but I do know that um, the way that I navigated um, my journey into nuclear medicine was one where I was originally interested in going into physical therapy. And um, at the school I went to, um, physical therapy was one of the top, most prestigious programs in the United States. And thousands of um, students would apply to get into the program. As realization set in that um, they were only going to choose about 20 out of thousands of applicants, I made a decision to look into other opportunities at the school and uh, along the way found another prestigious program um, that was one of the top in the state, if not the country, in nuclear medicine. And that was a path that I looked into. It was still in healthcare, which I was always passionate about, and decided to navigate that journey. Thank you. And may I ask out of curiosity, what is the gender ratio in nuclear medicine? Is it very male-dominated? <laughs> Nuclear medicine, when I was um, in school back in the 80s, um, and I'm dating myself here, it was very, very male-dominated. Um, I think healthcare today is, um, and nuclear medicine being one of the areas, is certainly um, seeing more females come into the space. A lot of nurses and people that have, are considering nursing also choose a path of nuclear medicine. So, uh, we do see a lot of entrants being female. Um, however, at the leadership level, it is really male-dominated. 
Yeah, that seems to be the case in a number of industries and disciplines. So uh, the health and life sciences industries still have a way to go in addressing the gender divide in those holding leadership positions. Can you talk to us about your personal journey to becoming a leader in this industry? Well, uh, my my um, journey in the in, into the industry and to where I'm at now has been one of twists and turns, as I'm sure many people have experienced along their career journey and pathways. I started out in the world of nuclear medicine, as I said, and then um, eventually worked myself into a startup company. The startup company was really unique because I was able to wear lots of different hats. Joined a company where I was employee number five. And then as I grew in my career, just kept taking on bigger and bigger roles of responsibility. Got to a place in my career where I could really um, navigate and um, became a corporate officer of the company. We ended up raising money, doing some acquisitions, eventually sold that to a larger organization um, and then um, stayed there for a number of years before joining my current company. As I move through my career, one of the things that I'll say is I was faced with a lot of adversity, especially as I got up into higher levels of leadership. And at one particular time, I was... um, in a, in a situation where I was running two different business lines and one of the business lines really um, started to take off and the other one had a huge opportunity where the industry was changing and it was kind of like the oyster was your, your domain. And what happened was the company leadership decided to bring somebody else in. Um, and give them one of the business lines I had. As they brought this individual in, it was a male. He was given a higher title than myself and um, given a lot more compensation. As an individual woman, as a leader at that time, there were a lot of questions. Why? Why? Why do we see that something I've done, that I've grown, gotten to a certain level, is now being handed off to a male counterpart who is has a bigger title and is compensated in a different and bigger way than myself. Very difficult learning. I had an opportunity where I could have turned my back and said, I'm gonna look elsewhere, I'm gonna leave. I did stick it through, um, just worked harder. And along the way, that individual left and they brought that part of the business back to me. So it's just an interesting, world that we live in as females and as we grow into our careers, the things that we say. But I will say it's important that we are um, we show grit and perseverance because people learn lessons. It may not be as fast as we would like them to, but it does happen. Thank you. That was great and um, interesting to hear. And if you could go back, is there any advice you would give to your younger self? Uh, I mean, you did say about grit and perseverance, but how do you overcome that uh, blow of having someone else take over what you've worked so hard for? You know, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, we can all look at in the mirror and, and say we've been put into situations that are not fair. 
And, you know, I think as I look back, right, there were times that I, that I really got discouraged thinking it wasn't fair. But through mentors and sponsors, I found another way to advocate for myself, right? I think my mentor said, find your voice, right? Don't, don't go inward, but instead stay present and, and work through the challenges. People are watching you work through challenges more than they're almost watching your technical skills. So I think that's really important to have mentors and sponsorships. And then lastly, to advocate for yourself, right? Um, if you can't believe in what you're doing and what you bring to the table, it's hard for others to believe in you. Thank you. That's a great and very valuable piece of advice. Um, moving on to a different topic, can you tell us about the HBA Gender Parity Collaborative and what challenges is it seeking to address and what progress has been made so far? Absolutely. Um, the HBA Collaborative um, uh, is, is a group of pharmaceutical and um, life sciences companies, a you know, small group that have come together to say we need to address the systemic things that are in our way, the systemic challenges that have been put into organizations and into the industry over time. And if we address the systemic changes that need to happen, we will get to um, equal gender representation. And in doing so, we get better health outcomes. And so um, Advanced Clinical um, has been one of the founding members of the HBA Collaborative. The companies of the Collaborative are really thought leaders in this space, and they employ today more women at organizational levels than the industry standard. And in the U.S., our industry benchmarks are very, very high compared to comparators. Um, on average, the Gender Parity Collaborative, so this group of founding life sciences companies, pharmaceutical companies, has nearly achieved equal representation at the manager and vice president SVP level. Um, we are seeing about 49 and 48 percent representation respectively. So not only talking about systemic change that's needed, but putting into action best practices to really drive the changes. Thank you. And uh, how does your company, Advanced Clinical, work with a gender parity collaborative, uh, particularly around awareness days like Women's Equal Pay Day? Great question. So as I mentioned, we're, we're not only a founder, um, founding member of the collaborative, we um, bring together like-minded leaders who are passionate about making a difference and creating this systemic improvement, as I mentioned earlier. When we come together and we talk about best practice and we, we challenge each other to align and, and remove the obstacles, we then start sharing in the industry, advocating um, for why the change is necessary and how the change then ultimately improves the world we're living in. 
not only in gender parity, but gender equality and, and um, you know, our goals are to really get to a place where we have a world that is filled with gender equality, health equality, and better health outcomes. That advocacy is critical. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to move on to the specifics a bit. You mentioned removing the obstacles. What would you say are the key obstacles to gender equality and equal representation currently in healthcare? I think the obstacles um, come in numerous um, ways. Today, um, you know, drugs, you know, when I look at healthcare and uh, specifically clinical research and the work we're doing um, today, because we don't have balanced representation in the leadership ranks, it hurts the products that we're developing. We are not seeing clinical trials and drug testing being balanced between men and women entering the, the trials. And so the data then becomes slanted um, and protocols today are designed from leaders who, again, are male dominated. When you have bias, you're leaning one way or the other, you have a tendency to miss the best outcomes, right? You're not studying the drug the best, with the best balanced data that you possibly could. And so there's just this opportunity for us to really continue to navigate through these challenges, to understand the why it's happening, to then put in best practices to address it, and then to measure the success. Thank you. That is so true. And it has obviously been an extraordinary year for health and life sciences, but professionally and personally, what have been your standout moments to date? Well, I'm really, really proud of the way that um, all, many, many companies have handled um, the COVID pandemic. I saw an industry and specifically in my company, and one of the things I'm most proud of is how we navigated um, the COVID pandemic. It was very, it came upon very quickly and we went from um, employees traveling all over the world on a regular basis, day to day, week to week, to employees that are, are in the office every single day of the week, to suddenly having to shut down travel, shut down um, people coming into offices and be able to effectively continue work. Not only did we navigate all of that, we had to stay in compliance to all the regulations of drug development. Those regulations in many ways and, and the way we had been working said you are on the road and you're looking and going to doctor's offices all, all over and you're looking at data. And suddenly we had to figure out how to do that differently and stay in compliance. So really proud moment that we've navigated that successfully. In addition, I'd say we've successfully navigated the return to work post pandemic, right? Which is now we're living more in a hybrid world. People are going back into the office. They're traveling a little bit 
and many have decided to return or stay in their home coming into the office only when needed. Our results show that throughout the pandemic and in this post return to work pandemic mode, our employee retention rate is about 94%, which is really unheard of in the industry we participate in. And I do believe our success is directly linked to our participation in the collaborative and HBA as a corporate partner. Thank you. This is great to hear that, again, this is about overcoming adversity. It sounds like uh, you have done amazingly well. Uh, thank you so much, Julie, for talking to me today. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. And that's it for this week. Thanks to Julie for taking the time out to join us on the show. It was great to hear about the work of the HBA Gender Parity Collective, as well as Julie's personal journey to where she is today. So thank you for tuning in this week and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next show. We have new episodes out every Tuesday. And if you can't wait until then, go and check out the brilliant articles, interviews and more in our sister publication, Gold Magazine at www.emg-gold.com. So until next week, take care and goodbye for now.